reading is 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 1 through 10. Salutation. Paul, Silvanus, and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians in God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. The Thessalonians' faith and example. We always give thanks to God for all of you and mention you in our prayers, constantly remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers and sisters beloved by God, that he has chosen you because our message of the gospel came to you not in word only, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction, just as you know what kind of persons we prove to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for in spite of persecution you received the word with joy inspired by the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia. For the word of the Lord has sounded forth from you, not only in Macedonia and Achaia, but in every place your faith in God has become known, so that we have no need to speak about it. For the people of those regions report about us what kind of welcome we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve a living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who rescues us from the wrath that is coming. The word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Lord Jesus, let the words of your scripture be a guide to our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. In an old Peanuts cartoon, Lucy says to Charlie Brown, I would have made a great evangelist. Charlie Brown answers, is that so? She says, yes. I convinced that boy in front of me at school today that my religion is better than his religion. Charlie Brown asked, Well, how did you do that? And Lucy answers, I hit him over the head with my lunchbox. See, it fits with the children's message. People are God. We are living in a lunchbox world. Hamas is advancing faith with missiles and bullets and grenades. I have watched news reports about demonstrations, people marching in the streets against Israel with signs saying, Stop the genocide of Gaza. When the stated goal of Hamas is the very extinction of Israel and all Jews. We have Christian terrorists. I doubt you even hear that expression. But we have Christian terrorists showing up at funerals to condemn those 
individuals they single out as being particularly wretched and evil sinners. They seem to have forgotten that we have all sinned and that we all fall short of the glory of God. They seem to have forgotten that only he or she who is without sin is invited to cast the first stone and no one else. Some of the greatest atrocities of history took place to advance the Christian faith done in the name of God. And now we live in a world where violence and absolutely ghastly acts are considered acceptable tools of evangelism. We live in a world where one presidential candidate referred to Corinthians 1, and the other presidential candidate talked about his faith and then said, as the palmist says in Palm 100 and whatever, Do they ever go to church? But God sells votes. God will get you votes. And isn't that what's important? I wonder what God has to say about that. Actually, I don't wonder about what God thinks about that at all. 1 Thessalonians is probably the earliest book in the New Testament, written in 50-51 A.D., just a few months after Paul had planted the church in Thessalonica. Now, truly hear the story as we hear it today, as we receive it. It's about a man who receives a call from his boss about a great opportunity overseas. He and his co-workers arrive in a new country. They go to the first town to establish a new market. But there's no success, none. In fact, the competition in that town have them beaten and thrown into prison. His boss arranges for their release, but they are run out of town. They try their luck in another city. But trouble gets stirred up, and they have to run for their lives from that place. Another city, failure. Another city, failure. Another city, failure. And in the midst of their discouragement, his boss calls him and says, Don't be afraid, Paul. Speak boldly. For I will be with you. This story is about the Apostle Paul's travels to five cities in Macedonia. Throughout this journey, Paul was beaten several times. He spent a whole lot of nights in miserable jail cells and was publicly mocked and persecuted and humiliated. He suffered greatly for the privilege 
of speaking Christ to others. What he never did was cause others to suffer. Paul's dedication to preaching Christ for speaking his name in the marketplace or the corridors of power was the greatest thing he knew to preach Christ crucified and resurrected from the dead. But in this day and time, where are the Christians willing to speak instead of finding ways, enduring things, suffering anything to preach Christ's name Too many of us are silent. Well, I'll just be nice. That will be my witness. I'll help build ramps or be involved in missions. That will be my witness. Where are those people willing to go into the hard places of the world, into the hard places of people's lives, and speak the name and the love of Jesus Christ. That's evangelism. It was Paul's greatest joy. Being thrown into a prison was nothing to him. He'd sing praises and pray for all the other inmates, the other prisoners, while he was there. Is preaching Christ our greatest joy? The greatest privilege we have in life. When was the last time you told a friend about the difference Jesus has made in your life? Or relatives or co-workers? When was the last time you invited a neighbor to church? What I hear a lot of around here is, we need more children. How are you going to get them if you never talk to them about Jesus? Are we just going to keep saying, we need more children and hope that they show up? And hope they're lately and they're going to get the message through osmosis or photosynthesis? A church that does not talk about Jesus is missing out on the greatest joy that is our greatest privilege. I hear people say, we need some teenagers. Wouldn't it be nice to have teenagers around? Again, how are they going to know this place exists? if we don't talk to them and invite them and tell them about Jesus. My goodness, we're working Nora to death. We give her every job to do in the church. She could use some help. We need to invite some more. How old are you, Nora? How old? We need... A whole lot more 12-year-olds in this congregation so she doesn't get worn out by the time she's 15. 
But how are they going to know to come if we don't open our mouths and proclaim the Lord? This scripture is all about Paul who couldn't be stopped. Everybody would look and say, what's it going to take to shut this man up? The question I'm asking you this morning is, what's it going to take to get you to speak up? Because we're living in a world of lunchbox faith. Where the bully with the biggest lunchbox wins. We don't want that world. But are we willing to stand up and do something about that world? For that is our calling. That is part of of who we are. All these goals I've mentioned, kids, teenagers, more adults, every single one of them is impossible to achieve unless we are pe preaching Jesus in our world. I'm sure you've heard the saying, all that is necessary for evil to flourish is for good people to do nothing. Whatever it is that keeps us from talking to others about Jesus, get over it. The time for excuses is over. It's been over. Look at our world and see what our silence as a church, as a faith, has allowed. Division, hatred, violence, pain. What's it going to take for us to be, be less timid and more bold in our proclamation of Jesus Christ. Did you hear what Paul says about the church in Thessalonica? He remembers their work produced by faith. We do that. We have work that is produced by our faith. He remembers their labor prompted by love. We do that. He remembers their endurance inspired by hope in Jesus Christ. My goodness, I've seen you wear yourselves out worse than Nora because of your love for each other which comes from Jesus Christ. We do that. They became imitators of the Lord. More and more every single day, we are still doing that. And Paul bragged on their joy given by the Holy Spirit. This is one of the most joyful congregations I've seen. And Paul praised them because 
the Lord's message through them has become known everywhere. Uh Uh-oh. Do we do that one? In the places they worked, in their families, in the stores where they shopped, in the restaurants, I don't know if they had restaurants back then, but in the restaurants where they ate. These New Testament Christians were known for their persistence, for their never give upness. They would never stop preaching Christ. They were known for their unending mission to spread the gospel to the four corners of the world. What about us? What are we known for? Amen.